And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders before the Athletic. That means that, uh, well, it means I was in Texas, Dallas, uh, Arlington, Texas, for the Thursday night debacle. Do we have a nickname for that thing yet? I hope not. Uh, uh, maybe something we can include with uh, Dolly Parton. I don't know. But uh, the game was awful. Uh, the game was terrible. And the game finally had Ron Rivera, this 45 to 10 loss where the defense just was getting um, ravaged, particularly in the fourth quarter that Ron Rivera decided enough was enough. He uh, pondered overnight what to do. And this morning he called up Josh Harris and said, hey, here's my plan. I'm going to let go defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brett Visselmeyer. Harris signed off on it. And here we are. The Washington Commanders, people are waiting for moves to happen, and now a couple notable ones have taken place. We'll get to that uh, in a moment, the fallout of that, and kind of how we got to this point um, with my guy Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to talk about the game itself. You know, what what's to sort of say at this point, but there is a lot to discuss in terms of the fallout from this, and like I said, how Washington even got here. Uh, so we'll get to that in a moment here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. Um, as for The Athletic, hey, everybody's got Black Friday deals. We've got Black Friday deals. I believe they run until Monday. You can get a subscription to The Athletic, a dollar a month for 12 months. How you do that, you go click on one of my articles. I've got multiple well i've got one up today about um from the game yesterday um sort of the in my view the 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 understanding of the players that this was this was the end of their uh, hope for the season um but other articles up as well including one today on jack del rio's firing so you go click on that you'll see the deal and check that out of course you can also follow me on twitter at ben standing and I'm on threads. I believe it's also at Ben Standing. All right, so I'll get to Grant in a couple of minutes. But I, I, I was thinking about this today. Look, obviously, the big news is the firing of Jack Del Rio. And look, I mean, it, it's a it's a bottom line business, and the bottom line is this defense was terrible this year. And Grant and I talked about sort of the overall four years of Del Rio, and that wasn't as bad as I think some people want to make it out to be because two of the years were really good by the numbers at least, but this year was a mess and it just seemed to get progressively worse. And it was a mess before they made the trades at the deadline for uh, moving Montez sweat and chase young for future assets. It's been worse since I don't think in either case before the trades or after, I don't, I just, it it's sort of unfathomable that things would be this bad. And look, I think the defensive line has underachieved. I mean, John Allen and Jerron Payne have not, been, not been up to the, to their standard last year as pro bowlers um, and, and, and so many other things. I, I think that for Del Rio, 
look, I, you guys know I'm not afraid to share opinions. I, I, I constantly was talking about how I would shape a roster or what I think about certain people. I, I really don't try to get into, well, they should have scunned this strategy or this scheme. The, when it comes to the foot, that part of football, I mean, I think these guys are going to, you know, the coaches are going to know way more than the rest of us. That said, I mean, it just, it, it, it never seemed to make quite sense. Like what were they were doing, right? They bring in, they're running like this, you know, more, you know, zone concepts. And then they bring in a cornerback in William Jackson, the highest paid free agent signing that they have under Rivera, who is clearly more comfortable in a different concept. It felt like it was sort of like a panic move to, to sort of land Jackson when some other options went away and it never seemed to fit. Now, whether that because it was a personnel choice or Del Rio's handling of it didn't seem to work. But then this year, it's almost like the opposite. They finally get rid of William Jackson last year. And then this year, they end up playing more man coverage, even though they draft the guy in, in, in Forbes, who, you know, I, I, you know his uh, skills, I, I don't really think were best suited in that in that system. I also think that it's almost like they decided before the year started that with Chase Young back, they've got these four defensive linemen and the money and the investment in that group says to them, we are going to rush them and drop seven. And that's how we're going to beat teams. Except that not only did those guys essentially really not get after the quarterback enough. I know Montez Sweat and Chase Young had, um, some good sack numbers at the point that they were moved, but you know, consistently the group did not get get in there. They also it just was not very creative. You kind of always knew Sweat would line up at the left end, then Payne, then Allen, then Young. They really weren't moving guys around the way we see with other players around the league. You see Miles Garrett in Cleveland, uh, you know, didn't you know pantomiming like a crossover dribble in the NBA as he's moving around the line. You know, Dallas uses Micah Parsons in a lot of, a lot of different areas. There just wasn't that creativity there. And, you know, look, Del Rio's been a good coach through for much of his career. He's had top, you know, top, top defenses. I I, I just didn't always understand the creativity aspect. And then you have the Wieselmeyer part who, um, look, I mean, you know, at the time that they brought Brett Wieselmeyer, they, they made him the, lead of the secondary the secondary coach because chris harris went to the bears there was a lot going on in the world you know the in the, in the commander's world dan snyder was, was selling the team we're all wondering how the sam Howell thing is going to work out so you know discussing wieselmeyer was not exactly top priority for anybody and you know i always say it's always hard to gauge how good of good or bad an assistant coach is because there's so many variables that go into it. The players have to play, who's calling the play calls, et cetera. But, you know, we talked about this last week um, in anticipation that something could happen. And, you know, I mean, Wieselmeyer was coaching high school the, the year before Washington brought him in. He's only been in the NFL under Jack Del Rio. And, you know, you know, whether, whether Emmanuel Forbes was a personnel miss to this point, whether we overrated, say, guys like Benjamin St. Jude's too. I don't know what's going on with that. He's getting picked on a lot lately. Dallas certainly did. Um, you know, it doesn't feel that, he, you know, he's as solid as a starter as as I believe most of us or a lot of us felt um, when the year started. Um, Derek Forrest had taken a step back, or maybe not taking a step back, but he had a slow start, et cetera, et cetera. So, 
is, is that because Wiesemeyer was not a, a good communicator, a good coach? It's hard to say, but clearly something was off. The explosive plays were way out of whack, as we as you guys have heard. So so Washington makes this move. I, I know a lot of you are like, great, that's like a half measure. W- what about Rivera? Well, I've been telling you for a while, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it for a variety of reasons. I just think that for Josh Harris and ownership, forget the forget the, the the notion that we're all saying, hey, they want to evaluate over the course of the season. Nothing's changing in the next five games, okay? There's going to be big changes. I don't believe Ron Rivera is going to be back as coach, okay? But we're all falling back on that. I just say, well, they want to give the year to evaluate. I, I just think ultimately that for Harris and his group, it is somewhat easier to just make a clean sweep at the end. I, I know they just got rid of something. Now, Rivera told us, and Harris put out a statement that this was Rivera's call. So let's just assume that that's accurate. Um, you know, the coach can make his own decision. He's, this was not, that was not an owner driven uh, call. But I, I, getting rid of Rivera, I just don't see what is the point. I, I, is make people feel better? I mean, okay, I guess. But you still have these five games. I know people think, well, just give the enemy a shot. Again, it doesn't work that way. If a shot at what? Like, he's not going to completely turn this thing around in five five games. Like, the, the, it, 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 it's, you know, I use the cruise ship analogy all the time, but it's true. You can't just turn around an NFL season. Um, So, not not to mention... To me, the whole point right now is two things. One, get the highest draft pick you can, and two, evaluate the players that you do have. Um, that's why I actually didn't mind the Wieselmeyer move. If they really think that he has been a struggle there, obviously they do because they fired him, then maybe it does make sense to give somebody else an opportunity. Uh, Christian Garcia is going to be was promoted from the assistant uh, DB's coach to interim DB's coach overall. Uh, Richard Rogers, a senior defensive assistant who Rivera has known since college, he is going to maintain his job coaching the safeties, but he's also going to help Rivera game plan for defense. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't think these moves are remotely surprising. I don't think they're remotely shocking. I think they're fine to do. I don't think it changes the complete story of this season. Washington has just been a mess, as we saw in that game against Dallas. I mean, the, 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 the Turkey Dak Prescott eating the Turkey on the sideline incredible during the game, incredibly disrespectful, even more so because Dallas planned to do this. Uh, Dak Prescott went into this whole story about how he asked Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones, could he essentially plan to, to, to eat these, uh, eat the Turkey on the sideline if it was a blowout and they put Turkey in those like Salvation Army baskets all that were scattered around the field because they anticipated blowing Washington out. And ultimately they did. I mean, it was, you know, uh, 20 to 10 into the fourth quarter, and then Dallas pulled away. But Washington was never really close to challenging, and in part because the defense just couldn't get there. Um, But I do want to get into one last thing. Now, you know what? I'm going to save this for, for the next time. I'll save this for the next time. Um, but it's a good thought. It's about this season. Um, yeah, next time. My my little 
my 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 little my little tease on that. Um, all right, just so for the game itself, I mean, look, um, I think Sam Howell in the offense in the first half did some good things. That the, the touchdown drive, the Sam, the cap, the Sam Howell one yard run. I really like some of the the throws. He did a good job of keeping his head up, seeing seeing what was out there. Um, he was on target. He's always calm. He's always poised. It doesn't matter how many times he's getting hit. Dallas did get him a few times. He remains uh, a cool customer, and he's got that arm. And, you know, obviously these last six games are going to be a real challenge for him because they're, he's facing much better defenses than he had early on this year. And that Dallas is, you know, by by the number will be the best, de- best defense he faces. And obviously um, – it didn't go great, but I didn't think he was a flop or anything. And, uh, you know, he's got limitations out there because of everything that's going on. I, I know he threw a pick six. At that point, the thing was, as Rivera called it, a snowball effect, basically. So I thought Sam Howell did fine. I think Brian Robinson continues to to show some good things. Curtis Samuel had his first 100-yard receiving game as a member of the Commanders. Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, ha- had some missteps along the way uh the offensive line gave up pressure uh to dallas's front the second half they just generated really no offense even when the defense was able to stop dallas a couple of times on the flip side you know benjamin st juice has been getting picked on a lot in recent weeks it's really interesting it's almost like the other teams think that like kendall fuller is Deion sanders or something and they're just not willing to throw it in his direction i i know fuller was throwing out a little bit but I'm just saying the idea that St. Juice is getting thrown out that much is kind of uh, kind of wild, and it wasn't all bad, but it's not been great. Uh, you know, he also had some struggles late in that Seattle game. I, I think it's really going to be interesting when we have more time to evaluate where he is at um, as a corner, because if if this were to continue down the stretch here, yeah, I, I don't know what Washington's looking at for looking at in at cornerback next year with Fuller, a free agent Forbes to this point who didn't play in this game, but with the elbow injury, uh, he's obviously been underwhelming uh, so far. So they may have some real questions. And by the way, I know we talk a lot about the off season. They have the, well, the cap space and these picks. Well, think about what they, what they have to do. Let's just even say Sam house stays as the quarterback. What are the positions that we think they need offensive line, but maybe more specifically tackle if Charles Leno in particular is gone. He may be a salary cap cut and so on. They're going to need defensive ends after the trades. Cornerback. Okay. Other than quarterback, those are the three most expensive positions to get. So all of a sudden, you know, if, if you don't have guys like St. Juice uh, and may, you know, some, the offensive line obviously has not been particularly effective. They're going to have a lot of money or they're going to have a lot of, premium positions they're going to have to fill. Um, you know, is KJ KJ Henry and Andre Jones going to do enough down the stretch here to think they could be high rotation guys? We'll see. Um, so, look, it was a pretty demoralizing day or 24-hour period, I would say. The locker room was very somber uh, yesterday. And uh, not to step on my story too, too much, but it was basically how – I think for a lot of us, we kind of, I mean, look, I, I I told you guys that this season was, the playoff talk was over if they lost to Seattle. And even then it was like, oh, they haven't beaten anybody yet to that point uh, and had already lost 
once to the Bears, once to the Giants. They would then lose again to the Giants. I felt that Ron Rivera came to the re- realization that, you know, the ship be sinking after that Giants game. You could just sort of tell the way he was talking to podium. I th- it was the first time he wasn't really trying to push back on any negative. He just kind of absorbed it. And, uh, and then this week, I think the players were the ones who recognized, oh boy, this is, this is going nowhere. Um, when you lose 45 to 10, I think on Thanksgiving day game, that could probably happen, but especially when it's the five days after losing to, to DeVito, after losing to Seattle, your record drops to four and eight. Um, Dolly Parton looked good. That was fun. The food was great at Jerry World. Um, did not love my 710 flight this morning back to DCA, although for what it's worth, I'm not exaggerating. I was on a flight. Sam Forty with the Washington Post was seated in the row with me. And as the f- we both had Wi-Fi for the plane, just in case something happened. And at, literally as the wheels hit the ground, he turns to me and he goes, uh-oh, it's happening. And I honestly just thought he was screwing with me. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. And he goes, oh, no, seriously, Jack's fired. I'm like, oh, okay. And then he shows me his phone, and I see the, the initial tweet from Ian Rappaport, and it's been a race since. I'm, I'm, uh, I enjoyed the Dallas. It was a good place to be for Thanksgiving. I mentioned the other day it happened to be my birthday as well. Um, I wish the game would have been a little bit better. But from a memorable 24-hour period, it's going to be hard to beat being in Jerry World for Commanders Washington. I sorry for a Washington Dallas game. Dolly Parton there, and I'll always remember the day Jack Del Rio got fired. The day and the date because it was the day after uh, after my after my birthday and all that. So kind of wild period there, but it's only going to get more interesting as we go through here. Ron Rivera is now going to be calling plays. What's that going to look like? How does this team handle these final five games? against you know Miami you got the Niners in Dallas later two road games in between I know the Jets stink offensively but it's going to be in New York and their defense is really good um the Rams and Sean McVay on the road so where does this thing go do they lose do they win any more games do they lose out um do, you know who steps up we got a lot to discuss um I think there's been a missed opportunity. I will, I will say that, that for the tease for later, that's the missed, missed opportunity I want to get into, uh, but there's no missing an opportunity. Uh, you don't do that when Grant Paulson says he's down to talk on the podcast. So we just chatted a few minutes ago. Um, Grant took some time away from his uh, Thanksgiving weekend to talk about what just went down here. So let's get down to it right now. Here's my conversation with Grant Paulson about the firing of Jack Del Rio and defensive backs coach Brett Visselmeyer and where this team goes from here. We'll do that now on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Uh, usually you can hear uh, Grant Paulson on 106.7 The Fan five days a week, 2 to 6.30. Every time I say that, I'm always like, that's a lot of time. Um, but because all this news just happened over Thanksgiving on Friday morning with the firing of Jack Del Rio and Brett Visselmeyer. You, this is the only place, I think, unless he's been out there gallivanting, yeah, talking to other people. Uh, his thoughts about the uh, the moves by Ron Rivera in this organization. So, Grant, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Did, did you? Same did, to did, you, buddy. Did the game 
ruin Thanksgiving or just uh, everybody just? No, it did not. No, I I I was not necessarily expecting a master class, but uh, I mean it was definitely worse than I anticipated. But you know, I've kind of my my emotions are not tied to results at this juncture of the season. So I can't say the day was ruined. I was disappointed for fans, obviously, and certainly for a lot of the guys that I think fight really hard on the team. But gross performance, you knew a change was coming, and I think the most obvious thing happened. This was kind of my prediction last week was if it got really ugly, that uh, specifically if they really struggled defensively, Del Rio would be the sacrificial lamb to kind of stave off the dogs, if you will. Yeah, Um Look, I don't, I don't think we need to get into too much about are we surprised or whatever. I mean, you know, I I, I know anybody who's, listen, who's been listening to to me has, has heard me say, I don't think Rivera is going anywhere. Um, but, you know, if something had to go, Del Rio and or Wieselmeyer would probably be guys to 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 go. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you were saying some version of that. Um, what I kind of wanted to talk about, though, instead and we, I mean, you know, if you've got thoughts in the game, we can sprinkle them in. But what I kind of wanted to get, get to instead was like, how, how did we get here? How did we get to the point that this had to happen? Because ultimately for me, this isn't really about Jack Del Rio being fired or even, you know, it's about how what a what a colossal disappointment this defense was this year. Because if they were going to turn this, if they were going to have a good year, it was going to be all about the defense. And it's one thing to be ordinary or just not good enough. But they were a disaster, and I'm just curious for so many reasons. Why do you think they got here? Yeah, it is a fiasco. I, I think it's a stew, right? There's a lot of things that led into it. I mean, I, I, there was no path, in my opinion, or there was no kind of worst case that looked like this, honestly, where they're bottom two or three in the league and everything. You're talking about being 31st in yards per play at a 32 teams and giving up more points per game than anybody in the national football league like this by my wildest and kind of uh, most bearish expectation. If you said, if it goes badly, what does that look like? You know, this is not in any way a reflection of that. Um, first thing I want to say is they may spin it otherwise, but you know, this defense was bad before they traded Montez sweat and chase young, right? They were ranked 29th and 30th in a lot of categories and they've gotten worse and as expected their pass rush, save for a nine sack game against the giants where uh, Tommy DeVito didn't really know what to do or what he was doing. Uh, they've pretty much been non-existent getting to veteran quarterbacks in the you know other three games that they've played since trading those guys, but their defense was bad. If it's gotten worse, which it probably has, it's just gotten, you know, really, really bad. Um, but the, this to me was, I think it's, there were, it's a lot of things. Number one, I don't think their stars have been as good as they need them to be. You know, John Allen's been very solid. Deron Payne has been solid to very solid. I don't think either of those guys is like maxing out, right? We've seen them play at the peak of their powers where Allen's an eight-sack guy and Payne had 11 and a half sacks. I know sacks aren't the end-all be-all, but, you know, they're not rushing like that right now and weren't really even before the trade of the ends. Uh, Sweat was on pace for a record high in sacks, but, some of the you know pass rushing metrics weren't quite on the level of when he's been at his best. So I just think in general, like they weren't terrorizing offenses the way you probably need them to. Uh, they swung and missed massively on Emmanuel Forbes to this point. Quan Martin to a lesser extent, but also significantly in the second round. 
Uh, I think that with Visselmeyer, who just got fired and probably deservedly so, their entire secondary took a step back. I think the Forest injury hurt them, but he wasn't playing at the same level he did last year. Really, other than Curl, maybe Fuller. There, there's not anyone in the secondary that I'd say has kind of improved from a season ago or hasn't taken some small or substantial step back. So, you know, you, you throw that into a weak linebacking room and a D-line that was kind of underachieving before you blew it up and, and you get a group that's not going to be all that great. But even that all said, like all those words thrown out, I didn't think it would be this bad. Uh, but they obviously they played a tougher quarterback schedule. They played a better offensive schedule. And, you know, after four years, you just kind of maybe start tuning things out and, and maybe Del Rio's messaging just wasn't getting through. But I will say, lastly, I do think the loss of Chris Harris, their DB's coach a year ago, who was a star in league circles, you know, multiple teams were fighting over him, if you remember, right when he was leaving. Um, going from him to Visselmeyer, who's basically been a like a high school football coach and a low-level college assistant when Del Rio didn't have him on NFL staffs in Oakland and Washington, uh, I think that was a massive downgrade, as, as we've seen. Yeah, I mean, for as much as we talked about the Commanders um, and all that stuff, the the Visselmeyer thing got you know way buried. And in fairness to us, uh, that happening was happening amidst a sale, right? A lot of other things were happening that were the DBs was not was not high on high on our priority um, of, of things to be um, con- concerned about. Um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, you know when you go back and look at this, the start of the year, I thought they had two strengths and possibly a, a legit third. And the two strengths have underachieved the defensive line and the receiver room. And the group that I thought had a chance to join them was the secondary because you had so many young guys, they were coming off. All of them were coming off a pretty good uh, 2022. And like you said, so many of them underachieved. And then on top of it, I'm not putting Sam Howell aside because he's obviously had a better than expected year by any by anybody's uh, m- estimation. But, you know, most other things, were, 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 the weaknesses remained the weaknesses. The linebackers, the tight end room was, you know, kind of whatever. Um, the offensive line, whether you want to say it's the line or pass protection, including how that was off. Almost nothing seemed um, to really work. Here's what I was thinking about, though. Where have they? Let me ask you this real quick. I mean, like to your point, just said differently. Where did they overachieve, or where did they exceed expectations? Like you can easily say nowhere, uh, because I'm with you uh, on wide receiver uh, specifically. Where the you know you just watch again, going back to yesterday with or Thursday uh, Thanksgiving with McLaurin. He's he can't still not separating. I mean, he's got guys draped all over him and running with him. It seems like every time. He's targeted, and they almost never throw him the ball down the field. He averaged 15 and a half yards per catch last year. He's allowing, uh, averaging 11 and a half this year. I mean, I, I really, you know, for all the things I like about the enemy, you know, McLaurin has not been nearly as good as he was before the enemy showed up in terms of how he's used, how open he is. You could say the same about Dotson, who's taken a massive step back, in my opinion, in his second season. So that's like a big deal to me. Those are arguably your two most talented players on offense. Um, but you put wide receiver and D line to your point, both of them are in the underachieving column, you know, O line and tight end and linebacker were kind of the weaknesses. And I would say neither of none of those three have been a strength. I mean, 
you could say slightly below average or average in some ways for those three groups, but that's about what we thought. It's like, where have they been decidedly better than was expected? I, I don't think you could say that about anything. Right. I mean, I guess you can, you know, say Sam Howell to an extent. I, I think if we're, I mean, to play this, I mean, to be serious, Brian Robinson's pass catching, I that's the only thing, only thing I can kind of come up with that I'm like, okay, I that's all a, over that. Not to pat myself on the back, but. I went out to like two practices and he caught about 73 oh. passes. I mean, it was very obvious to me they were going to throw yeah. him the ball a lot more. So I, and I'm, I'm kind of, I'm hurting myself, patting myself on the back doing shtick, but yeah, I mean, they've done a good job involving their backs for sure. I just, it, it is, you've kind of got me thinking here. Like this is pretty staggering. Like what do they have as a staff to hang their hat on? Ron talks about growth and development. Like where did they grow or develop? Now you're you're saying how, which I totally get, and don't get me wrong, I've I've been impressed by him more often than I haven't been, but like a lot of what he's done is kind of an uh, you know it's not like the efficiency metrics are there. It's just he throws it more than anyone, and so he gets yards and points and some touchdowns and whatever right. else. But yeah, I mean he's don't get me wrong, he's been good, but I don't. It's not like he's been spectacular, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, been, no, he's it when, when a few weeks ago I was saying, hey, I think we, we're talking about a guy that's a top twenty quarterback right now. Oh, that's good, but that's still like twenty or fifteen or what? That's still not what we're talking about, and it, and it hasn't been fifteen the last couple of games. So yeah, I think you're right, and it goes back to that Rivera quote he gave to uh, he said it in many ways, but it's also the one he kind of said to to Kime, like you know, basically if if I get if I get fired and this team, um, you know, if they found a quarterback and has improved the roster, you know, send me my ring. And looking at it now, it's like, man, not only do have does it not feel like they've improved the roster, even the shiny objects that they had, like the defensive tackles and the receivers, it's like they feel diminished right now. Like, I don't think we're going to go at this point going into next year. It's not like I don't think we're going to be going, wow, um, they, they've got they've got those guys. I mean, I'm not saying that's not they're, they're not good players. I'm just saying it's not, you know, when the Giants, how many times have we like the Giants had a. Uh, you know, Dexter Lawrence, he was like a one-man wrecking crew last week. The, the the two Eagles games, you know, A.J. Brown, sure, he's one of the best receivers, but he murdered them. The, 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 they, they haven't had those types of things. It was that Deron Payne uh, single-handed three and out against Denver. Like, there was far and few between that from, from, from anybody. Um, and, and that's why you pay some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're banking on that semi-regularly, right? Which is, you know, maybe unfair or whatever, but heavy lies the crown. I mean, you're not just paying them. Like in the case of Allen and Payne, you, when you paid them, it was elite money. I mean, you know, Payne is a top five paid player at the position. I mean, you really need tremendous results. And I think by and large, like it depends. Like wide receiver is a dependent position, so – I don't go hard in the paint saying Terry's underachieved or whatever. Like he can't throw himself the ball, but the usage is the issue with him. Like the targets aren't down. He's going to be throwing more passes this year than last year. You know, his catches are, are going to be up, I think, based on the pace he's on. It's the yards that are way down. But yeah, I just, if you look at like who their best players on the team were coming into the season and you go from, you know, sweat is traded and, uh, you know, Chase is traded and Allen and Payne are probably, I think Allen's been good, but certainly down from what they were a year ago at this time. Payne, I would say, more markedly down from what he was in his contract year. So there's your top four-ish. Or McLaurin, you know, he's having 
his worst season in terms of yards per catch and explosiveness and usage. Uh, then, you, you know, Cam Curl has had a good year, but, you know, even, and I like Curl, I'll pay that guy in a heartbeat, but like, are there impactful plays? Like think about your signature Cam Curl plays. It's all just really solid coming downhill, making open field tackles and occasionally helping out in the box or making a play in the secondary, but, it's not like he's got a pick six or, he, you know, four force fumbles or something. Forget that. He, I mean, look, and again, Cam Curl's a fine player. Believe, I believe he has at this point generated four turnovers in four years, three interceptions and in his first right. force fumble this year. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not a thing. No, <laughs> I mean, look, it is. I think we have enough sample to say that's not his game. He's not going to be like some ball hawking takeaway artist. And some of that might be usage, right? I mean, a box safety typically is not going to, you know, have a bunch of interceptions or PBUs. I mean, the difference with him is, you know, he does play center field, never really in cover, you know, covering one by himself up top. But, um, you know, when, when they go Tampa two or when they're playing multi safeties on the back end, he does get some of those chances, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you're all over it. Like it's not a thing that he's going to get a lot of takeaways. So I guess my point in bringing him up is I actually think he's been one of their better players for whatever that's worth. Yeah, but like, has he? You know, I I think he's the kind of guy that like people who study the film see his his talent. It's not like he always flashes or stands out. So I'm just trying to think of like their best players that maxed out. To me, that's what coaching is. You know, you you referenced kind of inadvertently. Look at how the the best players always beat them. <laughs> that's also coaching. Like, don't allow that to happen. Right? We're playing Lawrence this week, or we've got. Hey, this wide receiver one AJ Brown, like take them away. And it seems like Washington was just unable to do that for the majority of this season so far. Um, all right. I, I, and I appreciate the time. Cause I know you were running around on uh, Friday with the family doing all this stuff. Um, before I let you go, let, let's just put a capper on um, Del Rio. It, it's such an interesting four years here. Just talking about the football part of it. Um, in two of those four years, he had a top ten defense. I mean, that first year where they make the win the win the division with the seven and nine record, but you know they, they obviously had real momentum in the second half of the year, and it was all about the defense and the defense making all kinds of plays as Washington was winning with a uh, one legged quarterback for for a while there, right? Um, Alex Smith did play well, but you know what I mean. And then the next year, complete implosion again, just disaster. Uh, William Jackson's no good. Uh, Chase Young was underachieving before he got hurt. Um, then the next year, back to reversal. Like when they fit, they led the league in third down conversions uh, in twenty twenty two. They were top ten defense. They weren't spectacular, but they were pretty solid across the board. I didn't always feel like, wow, I'm watching some amazing group, but effective. And then this year, the first two games, because for me, it was all about. The, the defensive line has got to be imposing. It can't just be good. This is the year they've got to be dominant. And the first two games, there were moments. Montez Sweat in the first game, pain and sweat, I thought, in the second game, that this was going to be, okay, I think we're seeing it. And then from that Buffalo Bills game since an absolute disaster. And, you know, it's easy to say it's all Del Rio's fault, but, you know, the players have to play and, and you know, he's not, he, he, he's not drafting the players or something, you know, all that stuff. How do you ultimately assess what Del Rio did when you look at it in totality? Two years were really good, and yet 
the other two years were so awful that here, you know, here we are that he's getting fired uh, with five weeks to go. Yeah, I mean, just wildly inconsistent, clearly, over the duration of his time here. Um, I, I'm not one of these people that thinks that, like, the overall body of work is uh, as bad as most, right? I, I believe he's a pretty good football coach. I think he's, like, he's had number two defenses, I think, everywhere he's been, if I remember looking that up when he got here. You know, so this guy can coach defense, I believe. Uh, I I do think this year was bad. I think it was a confluence maybe of a lot of things and things like, you know, got stale. I think he'll get another D.C. job if he wants it, uh, is my guess. Uh, he was not popular here. That goes without saying. The staff isn't popular. I don't think he helped himself with his uh, comments, you may remember, from a couple of years ago. And, you know, I think a lot of fans – never really felt the same about him after that. And I don't, I'm not saying I fault them, but I think we'd be, uh, you know, probably foolish to not think that that cost him some support within the fan base. Having said that, just Wait, from a- by the way, just, just to double click on that point. Yeah. We obviously everybody's making the, the dust up jokes and that's going to be a, 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 a lingering memory of him. But when the moment that he arrived, that was one of the things was like, Whoa, Jack Del Rio, like we, it was rare to see a coach anywhere talk so much political as he did. And he came in, it was, you know, the height of Donald Trump and whatever, not getting yeah. into politics, but he was really out there. I'm one of the first stories I wrote about it was kind of, you know, it was talking about him about some of these things. So like he, he was aggressive in that way and, you know, whatever, but it's just weird to see a coach do that. And and I think then on top of it, what happened with the with the uh, with the dust up comments, um, really totally. like you said, kind of you know, kind of kind of put it over the edge. No, it was always staggering to me. It was very like, I don't know. I I'm not the kind of person that tweets hot political takes, and I I don't find it a, to be. I don't care what side you're on, really, like an attractive quality for someone who's in a, a public setting, you know, that has nothing to do with politics. So. It was always kind of odd to me that he was so comfortable. Obviously, the comment he made changed everything and kind of shut it down literally when it comes to social media and figuratively when it comes to giving you guys anything at the podium. But I only brought that up to say that I do think that that was like a turning point with how a lot of people maybe viewed him in general. Um, but that said, I, you know, half of his seasons, two of his four were successes. Bottom line is this year it was really, really bad. Like there's just no other way around it. Um, they stunk and you're the coordinator and you're in charge and you're going to pay the price and the young players, whether they're good or not, that were drafted, you got nothing out of, you know, Forbes, disastrous Martin, not very helpful to this point. Uh, you know, even the late round edge rushers, you know, Andre Jones is not, you know, it's got two batted passes and has done nothing. Uh, Henry had one really big game against the giants, which was probably more about DeVito than him, but, you know, those guys are coming on now that you traded a couple of players. But, yeah, it just wasn't okay. It wasn't good enough. Um, how would I view it? I, w- I would say that when, you know, his defense is for the most part feasted on bad quarterbacks. And it wasn't about who they played but when they played them. So, like, last year they had great games against Justin Fields and uh, Davis Mills and uh, Marcus Mariota. And uh, I mean, Ben Denucci's name is going to live around here forever because well, that, that yeah, a couple of years ago, that run they had where it was Burrow gets hurt and they go to Finley and Denucci and Andy Dalton and they beat. I the mean, it was like a, with a, Nick Mullins, Mullins in a neutral site, like it was a who's who. So yeah, one of those two seasons was pretty fraudulent in terms of the really good production. But 
yeah, they always struggled against good offenses and good quarterbacks for the most part. They did. Um, all right. Well, look, I mean, we'll have time to talk about what comes next. I didn't even really get into the Ron Rivera. I'll be honest. I'm kind of curious. I got to see Ron Rivera having to put the headset back on, call the plays, and the first game he gets, let's look at the list. Oh, it's the team that scored 70 points in the game this year that has receivers that petrify Pro Bowl defensive backs, and now Washington has got to face Miami um, when they come off this mini buy. I can't, I do not envy Ron Rivera having to step into that, but that, that, that that's where we're at. I mean, you, you can't make that up, right? Like, of all, you can't have that soft landing spot. You can't get Giants. Tommy DeVito. I mean, I know DeVito right. played well, but he can't get the third string quarterback making a second start. Well, to that point, I mean, the Giants hung 31 on him and. Moved the ball up and down the field last time at FedEx. What the heck is Mike McDaniel's Dolphins and Tyreek Hill going to do? With, with extra rest and time to prepare. I mean, obviously Washington played Thursday, but the Dolphins played the Black Friday game, so they have an extra couple days to get ready too. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, uh, you you rock. I appreciate you jumping on uh, on a busy uh, holiday weekend. My my best to uh, you and the fam. Uh, is Georgetown playing this weekend? Are you guys – I don't even know. I so checked out on them right now. They we're not, got... we're not planning on getting to Georgetown. We are planning on Syracuse next weekend as of right now. Ooh, all right. Well, maybe I'll uh figure out if I can work that out as well. Um, you rock, uh go obviously go listen to Grant and uh Danny 1067 the fan, Monday to Friday, two to six thirty. Uh they let me on occasionally to to ramble. Uh appreciate it, my guy. Have a uh, have a great weekend. Appreciate you, bro. Be good. All right, big thanks to Grant Paulson for his time. And, of course, thanks to everyone here for their time. Hope everybody had a, a, a great Thanksgiving despite um, the, uh, the the game itself. Um, the commanders are off until, well, they're off in terms of our world with the media until uh, Monday, so we'll get back to it at that point. Um, but that's it for now. Ben Stamford signing off. Until next time. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10 
$10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.